Good morning, Sun Valley Church, and welcome back to The Voice of Valley. I am your host, Jeremy Pinch, and with me this morning, I have Dennis Smith. Dennis, thanks for uh, joining us this morning. Thank you, Jeremy, and good morning. Yeah. Well, we're talking about creeds and confession. Creeds and confession. Um, Confessions, rather. And recently, we uh, just did communion. Every first Sunday of the month, we have communion. And every now and then, we'll, we'll recite a creed. And we recited the Apostles' Creed. Um, and, you know, coming out of, of a different theological background, I, I asked myself this question, well, why do we recite these things? What, is this, what does this mean? Uh, and I don't know if there's people in, in Sun Valley that, that feel that same way. So I wanted to bring this to the table and, and think through this. Why, why creeds and confessions? So what, first of all, what does it mean uh, when we say uh, uh, creeds? What does a creed mean? And why are creeds important? Okay, Jeremy, well, let me, give a, let me give a try at that one. So before the pages of the New Testament were even dry, there were already false teachers promoting errors of all sorts. Hmm. So from the very beginning, there's been false teaching. As the church developed in its theological thought, it became very evident that certain teachings are orthodox doctrine, that is correct teaching, and and yet um, some of those uh, statements were not coherently stated in every church because Hmm. the church was growing rapidly. In order to accomplish uh, the task of having a consistent understanding of the key important true doctrines, councils of bishops, that's groups of men who were senior pastors, if you will, from mm-hmm. churches all over the area of the ancient world, were called into discussion. These ecumenical or church-wide councils primarily occurred in the 3rd through the 5th century and often the points that were being discussed and debated for creed development were points concerning the Godhead. Hmm. Um, out, out of these councils, statements were crafted in order to define the boundaries of what is correct teaching and what is outside the boundary. Hmm. So that's a real important aspect to creeds. Yeah. They are statements of boundaries yeah. that can be uh, easily understood. Creeds are short yet concise statements of orthodox or correct teaching on God and the work of salvation. The word creed comes from the Latin verb credo, which simply means I believe. Hmm. And the value of these statements is clear boundaries that any believer can memorize, recite, and use to determine whether the teaching is correct or not. Hmm. And so even today, there's a couple of very large cults that are often at our door, mm-hmm. neither of which could affirm the Nicene Creed on the Godhead. Mm-hmm. And so if you know the Nicene Creed and you ask those people questions from it, you will find immediately they're outside the boundary. Yeah. So that's one of the really important things of creeds. Okay. Now, so... These creeds were these creeds were were written. They were brought forth uh, early on in the church because of the prominence of, of false teaching going out amongst the church, right? Yes. And so that was then. Why why do we recite creeds today in the church? Why do we recite the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, and so forth? 
Okay, so Jesus himself said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Um, so there, there's, a, there's a connection. Believers are connected to the believers of the past. That's mm-hmm. First of all, let's, mm-hmm. let's make sure that we understand that. Sometimes we miss that in our culture. We're mm-hmm. so modern and up-to-date oriented. Mm-hmm. But there's a correctness of believers in the present, connectedness of believers in the present with those in the past. And And we stand on their shoulders. Mm -hmm. And those truths have not changed. The need for clear boundaries and correct teaching today is not any less than it was in 300 AD. Mm -hmm. Um, Therefore, to know and recite creeds is a helpful teaching tool to our people so that they can determine the spirit of truth from the spirit of error. Hmm. So these creeds that we recite um, are helpful for when we come across people who have differing theological beliefs. So when a Jehovah's Witness comes to our door, um, we affirm the Nicene Creed, whereas they would not. Yes, that's correct. correct. Yes, that's correct. So that functions in the same way it did in the early church. The creed set boundaries of what is, quote, orthodox or correct teaching, what is not. Mm Mm-hmm. In key areas concerning, again, primarily the Godhead, mm-hmm. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and then to the secondary extent of the work of salvation. So the I forgot what creed it is. Maybe you can help me. It's the either the Nicene Creed, maybe the Chalcedonian Creed that was written against Arius. Yeah, that's the Nicene Creed. Okay. Yes. And so Arius is still seen today within... Jehovah's Witness, right? The the same beliefs. Yes. If you traced out their understanding of the Godhead, it would be similar to what Arius taught. Yeah. That's correct. So yeah. there's still an application of the yeah. Nicene Creed in today's world. Yeah. Yeah. So there's creeds and then there's confessions. Uh, the most prominent probably is the Westminster Minster <laughs> the Westminster Confession. What what is the difference between a confession and a creed? Okay, so <clears throat> one way to look at it is the creeds were all established in the ancient church. So essentially, uh, by the end of the fifth century or so, the, the the creeds that we would recite today that are quote ecumenical or churchwide were already established. Mm-hmm. Um, the there and the the creeds are relatively short that's why you can memorize them they're mm-hmm. very they're very to the point and relatively short and so their coverage is is fairly minimal mm-hmm. in terms of the broadness of doctrine and they are agreed upon by the entire church of its day confessions are a product of the protestant reformation mm-hmm. So they are more comprehensive documents explaining the entirety of key doctrinal points for specific Reformed groups in Western Europe in the 15 and 1600s. Confessions delineate where the Reformed group agrees with what was historically Orthodox and then further delineate where false or inaccurate teachings had been promoted within the medieval Roman Catholic Church. Hmm. So the early creeds were related to the entire church of its day. The confessions are dealing with churches that were coming out of the Roman Catholic Church in the during the time of the Reformation. Hmm. Okay. Now, 
we've already mentioned this, but the Westminster Confession seems to be paramount above all other confessions. First of all, why is that? And then second of all, what's what's the purpose of this confession of, of our faith? So, Jeremy, the the all American denominations in the early part of our history came from the Reformation of the Church of England, mm-hmm. and um, that's one historical fact that we kind of have to remember. Uh, that particular church, the Church of England or the Anglican Church, reformed in the middle of the 1500s, and at that time it adopted a statement of faith called the 39 <laughs> Articles. And historical Anglican churches to this day that are conservative still hold to that document. And mm-hmm. it was a very good document, by the way. But in the middle of the 1600s, a group of men within the Church of England named the Puritans wished to reform the 39 Articles. They mm-hmm. believed that there were some aspects of it where it wasn't as clear as it should be on some positions coming out of the Reformation. And so the English Parliament authorized a group of theologians to take on that task. And the document that came out of that conference, which was looking at the 39 articles and and reforming them, that document was called the Westminster Confession. The the group of men that wrote that document document met at Westminster. Mm -hmm. It was never adopted by the Anglican Church, but it was adopted by the Scottish National Church, which we call Presbyterian. And, And it also spawned Uh, a couple of other confessions, one being uh, the Baptist Confession and then a Congregationalist Confession Mm -hmm. called the Savoy Confession. Mm -hmm. Now, all of these together became the foundation of the statements of faith of all of the American denominations Mm -hmm. in the early 1700s. -hmm. So these things that we recite, um, you know, these creeds and confessions, they're not just something that we 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 take lightly but this is we are standing on the shoulders of of the church that has gone before us who have fought these fights really well and they're helping us towards christ really um and we talk about we talk about uh catechizing our children we talk about uh, the importance of the westminster confession but should we should we implement these things in our daily lives in our daily devotions Well, first of all, as individual Christians, we don't live in a vacuum. We are part of something bigger than ourselves called the church. So there's an importance there. Um, Secondly, uh, there's there's a historical foundation in creeds and confessions that, again, give us a sense of of awareness of where we are. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the sad reality that the German philosopher Hegel is the one who coined the phrase, history teaches man, that man learns nothing from history. Uh, there's cyclical arguments, heresies that were prevalent in 300 AD come back in a slightly different form today. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at these documents, it gives us a heads up on what's coming at us ahead of time. Mm-hmm. They're subject to Scripture. They're, they're uh, compilations of Scripture. So Scripture is still our first and foremost point of authority, mm-hmm. but there are compilations of Scripture that help us understand it. So knowing and reciting and studying creeds and confessions can give us a richness and a broadness in our faith, mm-hmm. and it helps us to remember again that we're a part of the communion of saints, 
that goes all the way back to the apostles themselves. Mm -hmm. So I see a great value in using and knowing these creeds and confessions. Yeah, yeah. Well, Dennis, I think I think that answers these questions that you know that I have about creeds and confessions, and I hope it's answered some of your questions as well. Uh, listening to Dennis, so thank you for coming in and, and helping us see. Uh, the importance of, of creeds and confessions. Thanks, Dennis. Jeremy, you're welcome. Uh, yeah. a, all, all parts of church history are close to my heart, so yeah. it was a joy to be able to share that with yeah. you. One more question before we go. Okay. Uh, in the Apostles' Creed, uh, we, we say this phrase, and we believe in one holy Catholic church. Now, I know John, every now and then, will explain what that means, uh, but can you just explain one more time what that means? Yes. Well, first of all, uh, the, the Catholic Church at the time of the Apostles' Creed was more than just the Latin Church, which mm-hmm. became the Roman Catholic Church. So mm-hmm. it, was, it was the entirety of the Church of its day, and that word means, Catholic means universal. Mm-hmm. And so it was the universal Church that came together and established those early creeds uh, as a part of its teaching. So it is, um, it is actually broader than what most people think of them when they think Catholic Church in today's world. Okay. All right. Thank you. (laughs) Church, we love you. We look forward to being with you on Sunday and next week on The Voice of the Valley. Have a great day.